All right, we are here for our weekly Q&A. We have some topics pre-provided. Um, I really wanted these to be like kind of a live experience for the guys in the group, but last week, for whatever reason, uh, there's like a maybe multi-minute delay on the comments, so I missed all the questions. So I'm just going to uh, address the things that have been posted in the group um, and something that someone messaged me. Um, I'm just going to take a sip of my smoothie. <clears throat> Still here in Montreal. Sunday morning, trying this a little bit later in the day. might be better for most people. Um, I'm going to dig into this. If you do have questions, feel free to type them in in the comments. I'll try to answer them live, but I, they might just not show up. I might not see them. Um, one real quick announcement. The men's group in New York City is scheduled. It's in the in the Facebook group. If you're in New York, it'd be great to see you. It's a free event. You know, um, I just ask if you're going to RSVP, actually come or be accurate with your RSVP because I'm paying for the room and you know, I want to meet you guys. I'd love to do this. I'm, I'm excited for it. I just want to make sure we have the right size room and um, obviously people show up. Uh, anything else? I'm in Montreal now. I don't think I'm going to do any events here. Um, I'm still going to be in Seattle and I will be in Los Angeles for maybe like four days in October. So if there's interest, I'll also run a men's group there. I know there's a bunch of guys in the group from there. All right. Digging in, let's start with um, let's start with the paying providing thing because this is actually a thing. You know, uh, someone asked a great question about it and shared an example in the group. Um, you know, it's kind of like a very age-old dating question that I think displays certain masculine-feminine dynamics that I think are, are coming uh, are even more important now with the you know positive advances in uh, women's rights and freedom. Like we are in a point where women make their own money. So it's a little bit different than paying for someone in the 1800s or uh, providing for a woman in the 1800s or in caveman times where like the masculine's role was to provide because he didn't pr produce babies in his womb. Um, so the question that, that someone posted was, you know, I think he went on a date with someone. It was kind of an expensive meal. He paid for it. She didn't even offer. And that, like, that was the question. Like, is there something with his uh, values or morals that should be addressed? Like, how should he address it? Should he bring it up? I mean, based on the question, it sounds like he didn't mean to pay. Or, or it was more like, um, I assume when he posted it, he was saying that he felt bad that he paid for it um, and didn't get, um, and she didn't even offer. So what is it? I mean, first of all, if you're really being true to yourself, you shouldn't offer to pay if you don't want to pay. I mean, that's just... Uh, that's going down to like respecting yourself and and not having covert contracts and not playing games and you know just uh, saying something. It's I think with a lot of guys though. I mean, those of us who have the means to pay for a woman's meal, a lot of times it feels good. It feels good to provide, even if you know she has money. Like there is something in the masculine about being able to take care of stuff, having responsibilities, and you know paying for a meal is kind of a not big deal situation. But it feels good sometimes to be able to do that. And, you know, some, this discussion I've had with, with women, the woman I'm seeing, uh, you know, it, there's a, a lot of shaming of femininity culturally where, like, people don't want to be taken care of and women don't want to be taken care of. And second wave feminism, you know, would spread this idea, um, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. And that's really a consumerist idea where consumerism tries to make us all individual units that pay for all of our emotional needs on our own so we don't need to rely on anyone kind of nullifying the specialization, especially when it comes to sexual polarity. That, you don't need to go that abstract. But with paying for a meal, I mean, it, feel, it does feel good. The thing that 
the masculine needs in response is not reciprocation. It's not that she necessarily needs to pay for the next meal or that she even needs to offer. Because that whole dance of like her pretending to take her purse out and you're, you're saying like, no, 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 you don't need to. It's kind of, it's like so 90s. It's like such a farce. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to encourage that either. The thing that a man should want or the, like, well, we're not even should. It's like what we really need. If, and most guys, if they're honest with themselves, what they want to re- receive in return for them providing or making a gesture is appreciation. And that's what I responded in the comments to this, uh, this guy's question. I mean, you don't need to, I mean, first of all, yes, she could be a gold digger, just like anyone could be a gold digger. Um, Her not saying thank you or her not offering to take to pay for half, like that doesn't necessarily mean that there's many reasons why it could be, especially if this guy's in a big city, there's a lot of attractive women and wealthy men. She might just be used to guys always paying, and she just got tired of like the the pretend of pretending to take your money out. Also, a lot of women, if you ask uh, women, if you have female friends, this is a very common um, justification I've heard from women. Like they'll they won't they'll offer to pay for half with a guy they don't want to see again because they don't want to owe him anything. But with a guy they want to see again, a guy they intend to, on sleeping with, for instance, they'll let him pay for him because uh, then she doesn't feel guilty. Like oh, I mean, yeah, he paid for me, but like I'm giving him sex or we're having sex or I'm willing to connect with them more. I don't like perpetuating this idea because sex should not be framed as something a woman gives you. But connection, I mean, if she is willing to see you more and connect with you more and invest time in you, it's not the worst thing uh, if she just lets you take care of it. I mean, the thing that I would check for, the the only thing I would uh, check for to make sure you're not being taken advantage of is that she shows some sort of appreciation. If she doesn't, again, doesn't mean it's a a bad thing on her. She might just not have thought about it. She might feel awkward because she maybe she wants to pay, but she doesn't want to emasculate you or she wants to let you know that she wants to be taken care of or something. It's like women have their shit too. I mean, everyone you date has their own shit too. So you can't just assume they're, you know, they have negative qualities. But basically, if a woman doesn't pay, uh, if you don't want to pay, first of all, the whole meal, you just ask for half and just not make it a big deal. If she gets offended by that, then she's probably not somebody you want to invest your time in because, come on, it's 2019. Like, you, you don't have to pay for her every time. It's kind of ridiculous uh, to assume that, although it does feel good. However, to make sure that you're not being taken advantage of, I would, I did ask, you know, if you're not sleeping with her and you keep paying for her over and over again, that's a, that's a warning sign. The second thing is um, only because of the justification, the, the common justification I mentioned that women will often let themselves be paid for if if they're in, you know interested in investing in this person physically or emotionally you know it's kind of a commerce based view on it but that's how a lot of women think and that's okay cuz that means she's not taking advantage of you in her mind at least um but i do check if you know she doesn't pay uh and she doesn't like show appreciation then I will ask for the second, you know, I, I'm looking for appreciation at some point. I will ask for the, the half on the second time because, you know, you want to make sure that there's that exchange because ultimately the thing that goes beyond this simple, like who pays for a date example is uh, the masculine takes care of material reality. So with the dinner date, yes, is paying for the whatever dollars of the meal or whatever currency you're in. The feminine fuels, the feminine, the feminine's role is to fuel the, the immaterial, the emotions, the feeling, the passion, the inspiration, and simply in something of paying for a meal, the thing you should look for and return to some for, uh, form of appreciation. It could be a genuine thank you. It could just be the feeling of it. You know, but you have to look for that. That's the thing you should look for more than her offering to pay. Because 
if you do split everything, you're kind of, you know, not that the dinner date's a big deal, but, uh, you know, it's, it, is, it is an example of sexual polarity where you pay and she gives you appreciation. Again, you know, this is kind of um, a very mundane example. There's many ways to do this, you know. It's not, you're not emasculated if a woman pays for you. Just want to make sure we're not going to extremes. Uh, the next thing I want to speak about after I drink some smoothie is text game. So um, this is another kind of common dating question, like what do I text her? I think it's become more and more common with um, Tinder obviously being a major way people meet each other. Um, I had a client who messaged me about this because he never knows what to text. And he was asking me like kind of like these basic questions of, oh, should I wait 40 minutes? Should I wait a day? Like how often should I respond? And that's there's two things to that. Um, the first, like the more basic side of it is – well. The, the most basic thing, the most fundamental thing is you don't ever want to be playing games because just the idea, like the strategy, like just like to even think of strategizing is you trying to get an external result and doing something for her validation as opposed to doing what you want. That said, that said, you still want to be aware of her. You know, I mean, there's ways you can come off um, incorrectly if you're not aware of how you, what you're doing. But in general, you want to be able to follow your desire and express yourself cleanly. That's what's going to translate. So even though text... Obviously, a lot of communication is lost in just like an electronic text uh, exchange. Um, a lot of how you feel is translated, and a lot of people don't realize that. Things like word choice, um, the obvious thing of how quickly you respond, I'll get into that. Um, but a lot of things, you know, he was sending me screenshots of his text, and for me, I was looking at it, and I could immediately tell without even knowing her responses, I immediately knew she wasn't going to respond. Because his word choices, like the, the amount of words he was using, the way he was expressing himself, sub-communicated, hey, I, I'm really needy. And it was obvious to me, I, I mean, I think it's becoming obvious to him, and I, but I think a lot of guys, they're so cut off from their feeling that they don't realize that their many paragraphs of text are kind of screaming needy. And that's kind of an obvious thing. If you're sending a million texts in a row and she's not responding, it's kind of showing a lack of self-esteem or neediness or something. I mean, because like, why would you dump energy into a place where you're not getting energy back? That's the principle behind it. You know, it's not like you need to match text for text, but like if you're investing in her and she's not investing in you, then you're, you're kind of, you know, you're disrespecting yourself. Like, why would you do that? So I'll, I'll speak to you about the, the, the text thing first. I mean, there is a tempo to communication, you know, I mean, we know this, like with your best friends, you probably text right away. You don't even think about it. Or you, you genuinely want to respond quickly. You know, if someone's you, someone you really like, even if it's a mundane request, you, you get back to them as soon as you can. I mean, because it feels good. It's not like a, a thing. It's not something you think about. Someone you don't care about, especially if they're messaging you something boring, you don't feel like you're obligated to get back to them. Um, so a lot of people try to play this when they match on tinder or they get the first phone numbers of waiting to like waiting to text or like back in the day before texting it was like wait two days before you call her after you get a phone number like these things i mean again going back to the last point playing these games is kind of a is bad for your inner game because it just reinforces that you're doing things for validation as opposed to yourself however we you do want to recognize the tempo of text so if she responds after three hours every time and you respond immediately even if you are genuinely just like being yourself because maybe that day you're just staying home and lounging around and your phone's on, that will maybe suggest to her, even if it's not true, she might interpret that as neediness because 
typically, you know, this is just something to be aware of that you might be coming off incorrectly. So that's the only time I will be aware of something like that. Like if I know she's not responding quickly, I'll, I'll kind of try to mirror that just so it's not about trying to play her or try to pretend to be something else or try to pretend that I'm busy. It's that if I come off too strong and she's like, if, I, if she's putting in this much energy and I put in that much energy, it's going to kind of like, it's going to, it's just not going to match. You want to find that tempo. However, just like with vulnerability, you always want to lead with vulnerability, but you don't want to be so vulnerable if she's like at this level of vulnerability. You do want to be a little bit more. So she's like this vulnerable or because like texting quickly, the faster back you text, the more vulnerable it is on a small scale. It's like it's showing your interest, showing your desire is vulnerable. So if she's texting back or you know showing this much vulnerability, you want to be a little bit more, not so much that blows her out, but just a little bit more so that it encourages her that she feels safe at least going this far. And then you can kind of lead someone to vulnerability. So obviously the minutes you, in which you respond is not that it's not vulnerable on this, you know, on the grand scale of vulnerability, but it does display certain things. And in the Tinder era where most people have many matches, most attractive women will have, uh, you know, an endless supply of matches. If you're in a big city, she's probably getting more matches than she knows what to do with. Um, these little things, unfortunately, can make a big deal. Like she feels like if she even thinks you might be needy or like she, or she might be trying too hard or you might be something, she just could be like, whatever. Because like th these things are so fickle in the internet age. Um, so that's just something to be aware of. But the other thing is, um, uh, oh, what to text. Now this goes back to the, the, the main principle of with text communication, how you feel is subcommunicated in the words you choose. If you spend like 40 minutes trying to plan out the perfect, funny, clever text, you might be able to pull it off like where you kind of like mask what you're really feeling, but very often it's going to come out somehow. You know, this is not something magic, although this is what people mean when they say read between the lines. Like when you look at a sentence, there's the, the overt meaning and then there's like the word choice kind of subcommunicates certain feelings or intentions. Women tend to be better at this, of reading this. I mean, that's why reading between the lines is like a witch thing, you know, if, metaphorically. Um, also, I mean, there's female intuition, but also like most attractive women have received so many texts, so many conversations, they've been on so many dates, had so many people, so many guys hit on them throughout their lives that by the time they're an adult, they, they have enough data to like pretty much read when someone, like, you know, it's completely unconscious. Like a guy texts her this sentence about, uh, meeting up and like somehow she can just sense from the word choice uh, he's needy. I'm not going to break down like what words uh, lead to what because I don't even know the rules but it's like if you can feel I mean a third of our brain our limbic system is meant for reading uh, emotional cues from other people. Most of us if we really pay attention to the feeling can read a sentence and kind of get a you know a pretty accurate maybe 80% accurate 80% uh, confidence on our guess of what the person's feeling is and this does translate so with texting i always tell guys never text when you're feeling shitty never text when you're feeling needy um get yourself in a, into a secure happy uh fun feeling and let that feeling inform how you respond like i don't even check my messages with someone if i feel crappy because uh, i'm not going to respond even if i try really hard to think of clever things it's going to come out weird if, even if i come up with something that's objectively funny um so get that in that feeling because like I very often, and I'm not on Tinder a lot anymore, but my last bunch of Tinder dates uh, were with women who like don't meet guys very often. And this is not to toot my horn or horn or anything. This is just to show like this, these things 
work a lot of women have shared with me in the last year or so oh like I, I don't meet with guys very often but there was something about the way you were texting me that made me feel like you weren't creepy or you were safe or something like that and i look back you know this is data for me so i look back at my 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 messages and like what was it like was i particularly funny no was i particularly anything not really i was just but I can read my own text and be like, oh, yeah, well, I felt pretty good there. I felt pretty good there. I felt like a secure human being. I wasn't needy. I wasn't attached to anything. I was just being straightforward of this is what I want or whatever. And um, or this is what's interesting to me. Even if I said a joke, it's because it was genuinely funny to me or it, like, it was like an amusing idea to me. And just being that level of real in itself translates your security, which makes her feel safe, which makes her be like, all right, I'll meet this guy or whatever it is. This is just an example. So that's like that is the intuitive secret to text game. I actually have a YouTube video coming out where I break it down a little bit more, but that's the that's the gist of it. Um, I hope that answers most text textual questions. Um, all right, this last bit is kind of tied together as two things in one. Um, someone posted in the group about going to a, like a Shibari workshop and he got really frustrated because he couldn't get the ties right and he got frustrated because he was paired with a man for this workshop because it wasn't, it wasn't sexualized. It was like learning the skill of Japanese rope bondage. And it brought up some things from his childhood where he couldn't get things right, like when it came to dexterity. So I want to I address this. I, I commented a little bit, or I mean, I did write a few paragraphs to him in the, in the group. But I think this uh, applies to a lot of people outside of like learning rope tying, which, you know, is just it's a simple technical skill. I mean, not, not simple necessarily, but it's a straightforward technical skill. You can watch YouTube videos and learn how to tie a woman up. That's not the, th but that's not the thing that makes it fun for you or for her it's the it's the feeling you convey i mean with anything kinky uh anything sexual you know it's like the tool of rope is i mean rope is just rope what makes it sexual is that it adds it heightens the feeling the experience of dominance of, of uh controlling her body of making her feel bound and safe and uh in the presence of power but you need to feel it even if you're technically perfect with your knots uh, if you feel insecure, if you're nervous, that's going to translate. It's going to make the experience not fun for her. And more importantly, because, I mean, obviously, Shibari is not for everyone. The principle that applies to everyone here is that, again, just like with the text stuff, I didn't mean to tie this, but just like with the text stuff, um, everything translates. And, like, the, my advice to him beyond the technical side of learning how to tie a rope was, uh, well, I told him this is an opportunity for him to maybe heal or overcome those cycles in his past where he never got things right. It's an opportunity to, to uh, uh, forgive himself, have his own back, apply self-love, even if he messes up the knots, because that's the biggest thing that messes things up in actual sexual play with a woman, whether it's like literally in bed and you're doing something, you're literally tying her up, or even on a date leading up to something like that. If you start getting on your, because the thing that he did wrong wasn't that he messed up the rope, it was that he got on his own case. He started beating himself up. He said the, the instructor got frustrated with him, which is uh, really bad on the instructor. An instructor should never get frustrated with a student. But it's also possible that he perceived that, or he, he you know, um, uh, yeah, he misperceived that, or he maybe encouraged that somehow because he got frustrated with himself. And if you ever do that in a sexual situation, that's the thing you need to address. Not the not the whether you're doing it right. Not the whether if you're dick is staying hard or you know or you're touching her appropriately it's like you need to have your own back because you can't give love if you're not giving it to yourself in any form uh you can't you know i mean and the the worst thing is that 
I mean, I know this is this I've experienced this a lot. So it's I know it's easier said than done. But when and every guy who's got like a psychogenic issue, whether it's a dysfunction or just like getting nervous or like messing up or getting frustrated, it's so dangerous because like there's this vicious cycle. You you get mad at yourself for getting mad at yourself and you get even more mad at yourself and you're like, shit, why am I out of my body? I'm in my head, and you go into your head complaining to yourself about being into your head. Most of us have experienced some version of this. You have to be so fierce with yourself. Fierce might not be the right word. You have to be so diligent about loving yourself because these little things where you're just like, okay, I totally messed up this knot or I totally misread her body and I did something wrong or, or, uh, oh shit. Like, you know, I think I'm going to come too soon or I'm losing my erection. Like anytime those things happen, you have to, you have to be like so diligent about having your own back. You have to be like, okay, this is what's happening, but it's okay. I'm still, you know, I'm not going to get down on myself because the second you criticize yourself, you're gone. You know, and with a lot of women, a lot of women, especially if they're in, if you're in the middle of a sexual act, they won't even notice your, you know, quote unquote performance until they notice how hard you're being on yourself. You know, like in the heat of the moment, you know, uh, a woman might not even notice if your erection is fading or if, I mean, especially with something like Shibari, like she's not going to notice if you got the, the, rot, the knot wrong. She's not going to notice if you mistied something. Sometimes when I'm tying someone up, I'll, I'll do like a, 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 a and not backwards or something. And I'll be like, oh shit, I did this thing totally backwards. And I have to go back a bunch of times. Most women think I'm just doing something sexy where I'm like going forward and back and I'm teasing them. They don't know that I'm messing up. Uh, this, this goes far out of the bedroom, especially like, you know, uh, anyone who's performed music will say like, if you mess up, just keep going because the audience won't notice that you missed a note in your own song. For instance, this is, you know, there's many metaphors we can use for this. Um, uh, that's the most important thing. Um, with sexual performances, I mean, and even if the thing that you really don't want to happen happens materially, uh, your knots gets totally messed up and you can't do anything, your, your, your erection completely goes away, you come too soon, you have to forgive yourself and like be on your own team and love yourself because the real performance is not the one time you're with that one woman in that one situation. It's the performance of your whole life. You know, you're going to have hiccups. You're going to have moments where things don't feel good. You're going to have moments where you don't do things perfectly. And the difference between growing from it and like having it not be a thing and having it be a story that you could share with other guys and be like, oh yeah, this thing happened to me, but now it doesn't happen to me. Look at that. It's, you know, uh, is you getting on your own team and approving of what's happening, forgiving yourself and just moving on. The second you beat yourself up, you just get into this loop where like you just recreate the same situation over and over and over again. Almost every guy I've met with a psychogenic sexual dysfunction, it's because of this. It happened once, maybe because they, well, it happened once for some random reason and they got so hard on themselves that they recreated it over and over and over and over again, sometimes for years. And this is, this is my experience too with ED. Um, I think that's all I have to say on sexual performance. The last thing tied to it, someone just commented that in. Um, also, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think no comments are showing up right now. I don't know if anyone is. Last time, like the comments showed up only after the video. So, but if you have any questions, feel free to to pop them in. If I don't see them, which I don't doesn't seem like I will, I will respond to them by text or maybe next week. Um, someone just asked about sexual shame. Um, in terms of expressing themselves. I mean, this kind of comes back to the same thing I was talking about, about text and, and texting and sexual performance is uh, being willing to, um, so I don't know, I mean, sexual shame comes in many forms. Um, 
but I think he was speaking about uh, communicating with women that he meets in bars or something or first time. And like, I'm, I'm assuming he means like he's not bringing his sexuality in these situations and maybe it's preventing escalation or preventing women from feeling him or, or, you know, trusting him. Um, Cause just like I was saying with text, it is vulnerable to put yourself out there, but it's the only shot you have uh, with something like that. Like if you don't put yourself out there, nothing happens. If you do put yourself out there, maybe, maybe she rejects you because you're actually putting something out. You're actually expressing a desire. Maybe she doesn't. Maybe she actually goes with you. I, th I think I said this last week, but you'd be surprised at how quickly, uh, you know, there's, I used to read all these things on sexual escalation back when I was doing like the pickup thing. There were like all these manuals and all these theories about Kino and touch and stuff like that. It's, it's sometimes as simple as expressing your desire and seeing what her reaction is. And if she says, yes, you can express a bigger desire and a bigger desire. I mean, I've had sex in the beginning of first dates because I was just honest with myself and I was just seeing where she was okay with responding. And you wouldn't be, you'd be surprised at how often women want the same thing that you want. I mean, a lot of my female friends will say like, I really wanted to kiss this guy, but he didn't kiss me. I really want to go home with this guy and he didn't make a move. And I can tell the guy, I mean, I know the guy's experience. I'm like, well, he wasn't sure and she wasn't giving a clear enough signal, but he wasn't giving a clear enough signal either. And they totally missed this connection where they happened to want the same thing. This, I think this happens all the time, like in romance and whatever. Um, but it go, so anyway, to answer the whole thing about sexual shame, it comes back to the whole piece of having your own back. I mean, that's the thing that gives you the courage to be vulnerable and put yourself out there and be rejected because I said this to someone else. I forget it was in a group video or, or might have been one-on-one, -on -one, but self-love, you know, saying saying I love you to my, yourself, saying I love myself or whatever, those things are great. Like those affirmations are nice. I, I believe in them. But the greatest act of self-love is going for what you want and putting it out there because what you're sub you're, what you're communicating to your subconscious is even if I don't get what I want, even if I don't get the response that I want from the woman or I don't win at this competition or you know this thing I'm taking a gamble on doesn't pan out you're saying even if I do this and the worst happens I still have my own back it's like when you say if I mean if when you communicate in some form or another I I want to be with you I want to date you I want to have sex with you I want to kiss you and you're putting it out there into you know you're, you're leaving I mean I spoke about the poor Eternus the infinite child last time you're, when you when you put that out there, you're leaving the infinite immaterial realm of being a boy where you can imagine every single possibility where the wave function includes every permutation of reality. And you're putting it out there into a space where it's going to collapse into something. You get, it, you get it or you don't. And you have to be okay with both because you never win if you don't give yourself an opportunity to lose. Um, and, and being willing to put yourself into the matter, into the material world where things actually collapse into one situation or another is, is the ultimate act of self-love, is the ultimate act of inner game. That's why everyone talks about setting goals and accomplishing them. It's not even the accomplishing them, obviously. You know, if, you know, if you're losing every single time, you might be shooting a little too high. I mean, you want to give yourself the experience of success. But if you never take the risk, you're, you're, that, that fear of rejection is, is basically saying, it's not, it's not even fear of the other person's rejection. It's telling yourself, oh, I'm going to let that other person's rejection harm my self uh, self love or my self concept so much that's going to mess me up as opposed to i would feel bad if they rejected me because i want them to accept me but the fact that i am willing to put it out tells my own self that i can deal with it that i'm willing to have my own back even when this other person isn't meeting me and that's the ultimate um 
that's the ultimate inner game move. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing bigger than that, whether you're expressing yourself online vulnerably or with a person or, I mean, so I, I, uh, I hope that addresses the sexual shame piece. I, it could be, and there's other aspects of sexual shame, but I think that I assume that's what was meant by the question. Um, I hope I didn't talk too fast. Sometimes I get, I get riled up, especially after coffee and then I talk really fast and I forget to breathe. So apologies if, uh, if that was the case. Um, again, if you have any, you know, I mean, I'm about to close. So if I'm not seeing your questions, I don't think I'm seeing them in this Facebook live medium. Um, going to keep doing these every Sunday. I think I'm gonna do them later in the day now. So like 11 AM Eastern time. Uh, when I'm in Asia, I have to, I'll probably have to change that cause that's gonna be late for me. Uh, if you didn't catch the announcement, the men's group in New York is happening October 6th. The event is in the Facebook group. I think I'm going to do one in LA too. If there happens to be people in Seattle, I'm willing to do one because I'll be there for like 10 days or so. But um, I think that's it. Uh, oh, also, you know, uh, my YouTube channel is new. I really appreciate if you subscribe and, and I, I'm going to flush out a lot of the, the, you know, concepts around things like this over there. And I, I appreciate that. Um, I think that's it. Oh, wait, look, I see some comments. They just appeared. Um, well, okay. All the comments appeared. All right. Uh, I'm just going to address these quickly. Um, in, in a, some women, so someone wrote, uh, some women prefer to pay on the first day because they won't feel like they owe you anything. Yeah. That's what I was kind of referring to about this like exchange. Um, my female friends have often told me they offer to pay on the first date specifically when they don't think they're or they're not sure they're going to see a guy. Whereas if they are sure they're going to see a guy later or they think that they're pretty sure they're going to sleep with him, they let him pay. I don't like perpetuating this idea of trading sex for money because uh, sex is something to share. Some, sex is something you give her as much as she gives you. Um, but that is a way many women think. Um, Da, da, da. Someone else wrote, I have a lot of for my own experiences, profoundly hearing and cathartic to listen all along and improve my mental game. It's not a question, but I appreciate the love. A little shout out to Aubin. Uh, all right, cool. All right, thanks for being on with me on this Sunday morning or wherever you happen to be in the world. I'll see you next week. Peace. <laughs>